Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. This is a very special episode 265 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samad from Guidehouse Insights. And I'm Nicole Wakelin from the Fast Women Podcast. And I'm Jordan Golson from... I didn't even know what to say. Pick one. Pick anyone. Robbie always uh, picks picking one. YouTube. Okay. All right. Have there we go. YouTube channel. Jordan Golson from YouTube. Like Robbie's not with us today. The three of us are actually sitting together. I think this is the first time that we've done an episode with three people all recording simultaneously in the in same one room. one spot. And uh, we, we're actually in Bozeman, Montana today. Um, we're here to drive the Jeep Grand or Jeep Wagoneer L tomorrow. Um, but the two of you... Uh, Nicole and Jordan, um, just got back from Vietnam. Yes. So um, before we get to why you were in Vietnam, uh-huh. first of all, have you been driving anything else recently? Oh, my gosh. That was not in my brain, and I'm like bizonkerly <laughs> jet-lagged. Wait a minute. What else have I been driving? I can't even remember what else I've been driving. All right. Well, maybe we can skip that for this week. <laughs> Is there anything Range Rover Sport. Oh, I know. I talked oh, about there you that. Go. Did I talk no. about that already? No, I don't think so. I don't think you talked about You guys, about I that. literally have a notepad and a pencil in front of me in a hotel room, and I've had four hours of sleep. So this is... <laughs> you, last week, it was just Robbie and I recording when you were in Spain. I was in Spain. Or, or okay. somewhere. Or maybe was... maybe you were trekking to Indiana or something. I, I don't know. You weren't... You weren't you I was were, that's unavailable. A, you, were, you, were, yeah, you, were going to, you were on your secret road trip to Indiana. Okay. All right. Your emergency road trip. But you haven't talked about the, the Range Rover. So tell us about that. Okay. And again, I don't have anything in front of me. Like, I'm not as prepared as I should be. So um, we drove the Range Rover Sport. And they have... I can't... No, pause. I literally can't talk about this. I don't know enough about the Range I cannot think of a single thing about that right now. Okay. Then forget it. We'll talk about I, it next time. Can you edit about, this out? I know because one thing I'm we could talk about is the, the range of the PHEV. Did they announce the range yet? Because uh, that is that's the most interesting part of that whole thing to me. Is because it's about fifty miles. I down at home. Let me see oh, if I can. Fifty miles. I mean, yeah. that's it, it. Was what about twenty? They on the did previous update. Generation? Right. It is an increase. Hold on. What? And that's the embargo is all lifted on that, right? Yes. On the Range Rover stuff. Yeah, yeah I think the PHEV range. If we're going to talk about anything, my, is that. If I had okay. my laptop, I could. Sorry, I'm did, making you edit. The, and we've so the old one was nineteen no, miles. Okay. This is all staying in. It's all good. Oh, Perfect. great, great, great. They'll love it. Content. So this is the real world. I have no idea. I don't have my laptop. I've had no sleep. <laughs> so no, it is. It is. That was the big news that it does have an increased range. Uh, all electric range it actually significantly. It, it so the, the prior like, one's nineteen. Yes. And this one's going to be around fifty. I think it was fifty. So I mean, you think that, that's, that's a lot of range. That should be involved Gen Two range. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a big honking SUV. It's got a thirty-eight kilowatt-hour battery. It's got a huge battery. And it was actually, it was it was very fun to drive. I mean, they had us driving. We had Eurospec versions of everything that we drove while we were over there. Uh-huh. But you still get a pretty good feel for, I mean, it's you get a good idea of what you're going to get when you get in the U.S. Um, I like the sport. I find that this, it was fun. I like that you still have Range Rover capability and Range Rover style and luxury, but you, it's a little bit smaller. Because also, we're driving this in Spain. Where their roads, I want to put it in air quotes, are roughly the size of like our bike paths. Okay. <laughs> so driving something that was a full size, like the actual Land Rover Range Rover, you suddenly feel like you're driving a tank. And it's, 
I wouldn't want to drive that in a city. I mean, if I was out in the country, sure, cool, that's great. But I think the sport is a better choice for somebody who's looking for something a little smaller. And it still has not all the luxury. I think there's some features that it doesn't have, but dang, it's close. Like It's a still, different feel. Yeah. It definitely is sportier because the roads that we were driving it on, they had it was a pretty long drive route. And some of there was some highway, there was just some straight roads, and there were some twisties. And we actually ended up with the Range Rover SV something on the twistiest route. And I remember thinking, oh, I really wish I'd had the sport for that because the sport was so much more fun to drive. It was, it was much more nimble. Um, that's the kind of car you wanted to, and it's still, it's not a sports car, great big SUV, but, um, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I was, I was a fan. And so I think uh, the really interesting thing about it is that the prior generation, the, the big boy Range Rover and the Range Rover Sport were separate vehicles, separate platforms, separate everything. This time they're the same. And hardware-wise, they're basically identical. The suspension's the same, the steering's the same, the drivetrains are the same, everything's the same. It's just software-based settings that change. The driver or the steering feel, the way the air suspension is set up, all those things. And it feels like such a completely different car it even does. though all that's really changed is the shape of the body and the interior. And even the shape, I mean, except for basically being shorter. It just shorter. lops it's off. Yeah. You like just yeah. went squoosh. But the, the, wheel, um, the, the wheelbase. wheelbase is identical. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. It hasn't changed at all. It just looks. Because before smaller. it was shorter. Yes. Because yeah. it was a whole different platform. They yeah. had different motors, everything. Yeah. So now they're the same. And I asked them, would it be possible to have a button that could change you from Range Rover spec to Range Rover Sport spec? Or are there any other hardware differences? And they said, technically, that would be possible. That like, you could just do it as a drive I, mode yeah, and change everything about how the car feels. What I wanted was the Range Rover with the sports dynamics. Yes. That would have been my that would have been my sweet spot for me. If I could have gotten the Range Rover with the sport dynamics and like I said, technically, I suppose they could spend send it to what is it, special vehicle operations mm-hmm. and make that happen for the cost of a small chateau. But I I'm, unless you want to do that. I'm pretty sure Jamal Hamidi could, could deal with that. I mean he's yeah. still he's still running the special yeah. vehicle operations yes. at the jail. In a very polite way, they said technically that would be possible, but also we wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I suspect if you gave them enough money. I feel oh, like if you they could make yeah, it happen. Like yes. here's here here's a truckload. Would you make that happen for me? That I would. And that, and that is one of the beauties of buy being able to afford to buy a premium vehicle like that is if you if you make get friendly with your dealer and, and go up the chain and you have enough money to spend, they're more than happy to take that money off your hands exactly. and give you exactly what you want. Yeah, they will. And they had what were the two? What were the two? There were two trims of the Range Rover that had one had like this ebony black trim around yep. the dials, and the other one had this like white ceramic yeah. trim. I mean, it wasn't even like an off white, a slightly winter white. No, it was this brilliant white, and it would, it not only looked fantastic, but it felt like the ceramic on it felt so cool. And it was on the gear it's the shift. S- so that it's the autobiography. No, the SV. Yeah. Has. Like the cer- all the buttons are ceramic and there's two colors. You can get them in black or white. And the oh, thing is the black, cool. it has the, it's the same ceramic, but it looks just like the black plastic that you can get in the regular. The white. It looks so cool. Pops. The white looks like you spend a truckload of money to have them for some reason put fancy little yeah. trims on your dials. And it's actually like a trim you can buy, but it looked like something that somebody went and paid to have custom done just to make it look different. It looks like that mug right there. It's like that. He's pointing at a coffee white. mug in the it's hotel. A white <laughs> coffee mug in the hotel, and it looks like that, just very fancy. Yeah. Okay. So that was cool. Very nice. 
And and uh, when is the uh, the, the plug-in hybrid, or what, I guess when is when's the when's the plug-in hybrid going to be available in the U.S.? Uh, early next year. Okay. But it's a bit of a moving target, and they wouldn't commit to production numbers. They wouldn't commit to exactly when it was going to get here. Just that it's coming kinda real like, soon now. Kind of like every OEM at this point, if they have it right now, they'll say we have it right now. Late and availability. If they, if they <laughs> don't have it right now, it's like later. But okay. later. Yeah. And a fully electric Range Rover, they say, is coming for model year 2024. 24. Model year 24. 24. So, so that, that implies end of 23. Yes. yes. And they, okay. they, they said that at the Range Rover launch back in April, and then they reconfirmed that timeline. So okay. they're sticking to it, which is right. a model certain degree of confidence because they, they may only it. sell one of them. But, you know, it's just it's like the Hummer EV pickup. They're good. Yeah, it's on sale. Yeah. We, we sold 100 of them. <laughs> I suspect they'll probably try and sell more than that. I think so. Especially in places like California and New York. And I think it'll North be a East. smash hit, yeah. too. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. It's a good car. All right. Um, the uh, the thing that I was driving also had a plug. It was yes. also a plug-in hybrid. It was the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE. Oh, yay. And, uh, but it, it was the, the base model, the, the limited, um, which is about 60 grand. Okay. Um, and so... We, I think we, we both talked about the the four by e back in the spring when we when we did the the first drive in Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this time I had a chance to spend the week with it, and uh, really like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the, the Grand Cherokee anyway. I think for me, you know, the the Grand Cherokee is a much more reasonable size than the Wagoneer. You know? The Wagoneer is so big. It, I love it, but it, man, is yeah, it big! It is really, really big. Yeah. Um, and I've always liked the Grand Cherokee. Um, you know, going back to the, the first generation one, it was it, always you know for a, an SUV with the kind of off road capabilities that the Grand Cherokee's always had. It's always also had surprisingly good driving dynamics on the road, and this mm-hmm. one is is no exception. Same same thing. So, <coughs> excuse me. The um, uh, the one I ha- the four by e has um, a two liter turbo four cylinder engine uh, with the uh, um, forty eight volt mild hybrid system and an electric motor. Uh, thank you, an electric motor uh, sandwiched in between the engine and the transmission in place of the torque converter mm-hmm. um, gets about three hundred seventy five horsepower. It's the same powertrain that's in the Wrangler, which is what you have in your driveway yes. uh, that, that Russ drives. My little toy and. Uh, you know, I, I plugged it in every time I came home, so always had near enough to a full charge every time I left the house with it. Did multiple trips uh, to Detroit uh, during that week. A um, couple times uh, I went to the, the auto show. We went to, my wife and I went down to Belle Isle, and a couple other things. Uh, so a lot of highway driving with it, um, which is obviously not ideal either for an electric or a hybrid because right. you're, not, you're not able to take advantage of the regen. And yet, over the week, you know, racking up about 400 miles, um, I got 30 and a half miles per gallon with that's, this thing. It's, and it's not a small vehicle. No, when it's not. When you think about that, that's yeah. pretty impressive fuel economy. Yeah. Is the range? Uh, the range, um, driving on the highway at 75, uh, it would do, it's, it's rated at 25. It would do about 18 and it so, would, but it would go way. all the way up to 75 on full electric. Yes. The engine never needed to turn yes. on. Yes. yes. Which is, and, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so like you can put it in electric mode, drive on the highway, you know, for about 18 miles and, until the battery's depleted, and then it just goes into hybrid mode. I did a uh, range test on my usual loop, uh, which is a mix of some highway, some uh, suburban, uh, like 45, 55 mile an hour roadways, and urban driving. 
and got uh, 26 miles before it was depleted. Uh, so slightly better than what the EPA uh, rated range is. Uh, so really impressive vehicle. So if you need something that is you know in that midsize, upper midsize two row class, uh, you know, and you want decent fuel economy, especially you know if you want something that you can take, you know, still got great towing capability. Uh, you, you know, you can use it to tow a boat or a trailer. Uh, use it for a road trip. Uh, you know, got 25 to 27 miles of of around town driving on electricity. And you know, if you plug it in every night, which is what you should do if you're going to buy a plug-in hybrid, yep. go ahead and plug it in. Yep. Don't waste that. You know, don't drag around several yeah. hundred pounds of battery for nothing. Spring for the cost of having the yes. charger installed, and because otherwise you're, well, and with a you're wasting your money. Yeah, well, with a plug-in hybrid, you, you can actually get by without. You can just plug into a 120, and it'll charge overnight. Right. If you have a, a 240 volt charger. Uh, See, I like having then, the 240 because then if we run out, like we run out, we do stuff in the morning. Yeah, and then and you'll I, be I have, fully charged and, 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 yeah, and I, use, I have a couple of miles left on the battery. I come back, I plug it back in. By the time I go out in the afternoon, it's already charged. So I can so I can do like a whole day back and forth where I do far more than the actual just single charge range because I just recharge it so quickly. If you're in and out of your house, you can just go all day, just charge right. it back up and go right back out. I'm a huge plug-in hybrid fan, I think, for basically everybody right now. If there were more of them available, it's almost always, if you can charge it, the car to buy. I had a, a Chevy Volt, the second generation one, which had a 52-mile rated range, if I remember correctly. And in a year, uh, we put 17,000 miles on it, and 15,000 were electric. Wow. Yeah. Because in day-to-day -day driving, typical, 50 miles... Volt owners. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of why I'm so excited about the Range Rover having that range, because... Most people, like a lot of people, go over twenty miles or twenty five right. miles. Eighty eighty percent of drivers do less than forty miles a day. Yeah, so under fifty, that feels like the perfect sweet spot to me. Yeah, because then you can do it, and then if you do need to, because range anxiety really is a thing, and charging in public is really annoying still. That solves that problem, and it's a great introduction to uh -huh. the EV lifestyle. The main downside is. You can't find them. I had a friend who was trying to buy the 4xe Jeep Grand Cherokee, and he couldn't find one anywhere. Well, those are still in very limited availability. Yeah, yeah they, they were late getting them to dealers. They're just really starting to get to dealers now. And I think it's like the, the RAV4 Prime. <laughs> it's so in demand mm -hmm. that it's just they, they yeah. fly off a lot well, even the, faster than every other car. Yeah. Yeah. The Wrangler 4xe's are accounting for 25% of Wrangler sales now. So, you know, they... They they are a really good option for a lot of people if you if you want to go electric but you're not whatever your circumstances are you're not quite able to go fully battery electric yet. I feel like it's the great happy medium because it gives you a little taste of the electric sort of life. Mm -hmm. You get used to plugging in a vehicle, which is weird the first time you like get out. You're like, oh, I gotta plug this in. You get used to the whole idea of it. You get used to if you want to plug in while you're out and about. The whole like, okay, how do I find a charger? And it, it's kind of a daunting thing if you've never done it. You have no idea. You're like when I gotta look for chargers, it's not like I'm just gonna drive down the highway and see an Exxon station. Like you you get used to it with still that security blanket of like yeah. it doesn't matter, I can still go to that Exxon station and fuel up. So I think it's a great way to to get into the EV life. So then the next time around you think, okay, you know what? 
I'll go full EV. And it's also a great way is if you want if you want a vehicle that you have to road trip in because it's just generally speaking not easy road tripping. Especially if you get kids. Yeah, and I know you can do it. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Like I get it. And they have things that will tell you exactly where you stop and exactly how far to go and it will map it all out for you. But it removes all the spontaneity from a road trip because you have to plan your stops. And if you don't know that that stop is going to have an open charger and that it works, you have to plan even more carefully. So it's not ideal if you do road trips yet. It's just not. If you want to have the the EV part of things for when you're at home and you're in your comfort zone and then not even pay attention to it if you have to do the occasional long distance road trip you can do that it's it's the best of both worlds at this point can I do one other rant for a moment absolutely so that Chevy Volt yes fantastic car the powertrain the tech in it was incredible came out I think the second gen came out maybe 2016 Mm -hmm. the year I bought mine I was convinced after driving that around for a year that oh GM is going to put plugins in every car they offer because it's so good. It's like, oh, imagine having a plug-in Tahoe with a 50-mile range or a Silverado or an Equinox or any other vehicle they sell. And they took that plug-in hybrid technology and they put it in... Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) And killed the Volt. (laughs) Yeah, there actually was a plan to do that at one point somewhere in the mid-2010s. And then they decided... Yeah, they they had started gaining experience with the batteries and realized, you know what? These batteries are actually holding up better than we thought they would. And they decided, you know, we're not going to bother with the with the hybrids anymore. We're just going to go all electric. And it took them a while to get there. They're still just kind of slowly creeping in there, but that's the plan now. They they opted not to spend the money to do the plug-in hybrids. Do you think it was a good call? Um, no. Uh, I think I think you should have done some plug-in hybrids because, like you said, you know, especially for stuff like the Equinox and you know a lot of the transverse, a lot of a lot of those applications where it would have been pretty straightforward to, especially as the batteries got smaller than what was in the Volt originally. Um, I think they they could have done that for at least a few models and given some more options to people. And you know they had they had a really good powertrain there with that system, and um, you know it would have. I think, you know, it would have shown consumers that they were more serious about this earlier on, but they, they opted not to. And, you know, that's well, and so now Jeep is getting into it and doing plugins. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if the success there and what Toyota is seeing with the RAV4 Prime and people are sort of like, oh, this is really great, especially when you get, you know, because the first rounds of plugins like the BMW and the Volvo Fifteen miles, maybe, right. and like especially the early Volvo ones. If you went over forty miles an hour, the engine turned on. Yeah, and which wasn't a great experience, and it wasn't really an EV, so you didn't have the torque. The Volt, you put your foot down, that thing would take off. Yeah, because it, it had most shape. of its power was coming from the electric motor. It had it. They sized the electric motor to to basically make it like an like a pure EV, and had the engine there that on occasion, uh, you know, it might feed a little bit of torque from the engine through the through the drive system, but most of the time it's just purely electric drive. Yeah. And it was a generator. Yeah. Which made it even more efficient. Mm-hmm. And, and that was fantastic. And so... I don't think uh, I'll go back and do plugs now. I feel like once I feel like, <coughs> the, like the order operation is gas vehicle, hybrid, plug-in hybrid EV. Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of the order for the average person hybrid yeah. or plug-in hybrid in the middle and then EV. So I feel like for an automaker to go back Wouldn't, and go, let's go back to plug-in yeah. hybrid, it's like, I feel like they're... But like is the EV demand going to be there? 
I don't think they're all going all in with EVs, whether uh, the demand is there or not. Right, and that's I, I think, the thing is I don't. I'm not I, convinced they're going to be able to sell those EVs. Yeah, I, I think I think the demand will be there if they can offer them at the right price, which is going to be the challenge because of battery prices are so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of right price, does that Jeep Grand Cherokee four by E qualify for the new tax credit? Um, do most it, of it? The Jeeps do, I it believe. It may. It may qualify. It or qualifies, doesn't until the end of the it, year. It qualifies for the $7,500 right now until yeah. December 31st. After December 31st, it may qualify. We're not sure yet because the vehicle is assembled in North America. The battery is sourced in North America from LG. Um, and what we don't know is what percentage of the components in the, in the battery are North American sourced. It's such what, a mini like Yeah. And then there's like, that's up to the interpretation of... Yeah, whatever well, agency. Did. Yeah, well, the, the IRS uh, has to publish the rules for how they're going to do the accounting for that, um, and that's due by the end of the year. So, I feel literally bad for every person at every OEM. It's like it's your job to figure out how we're qualified. Yeah. Well, Go with God, my friends, because well, this is one of the things. This is one of the things we've been trying to figure out. We're, you know, my company, you know, guy does. Yeah, is you know, we've got a list of the com- the cars that are qualify right now that might qualify in twenty twenty three. And, and then not, and then the list of like see you later guys yeah, not even and, close and you know anything that's assembled outside of North America Done. automatically right and so you'll have cars like the ID four where some of them are assembled in actually Germany, they're all some of them they're all being assembled in Chattanooga now for now America. because of yes that, right well no that was always the plan okay so all all the I mean there may still be some probably not but there may be a few in inventory the dealers lots that were built in Germany but basically. 100% of the ID4s for the North American market are built in Chattanooga now. I mean, just think about that. What a mess it is. Like, imagine you come with your entire marketing scheme and your pricing and everything you do. You figure everything out. You know what it's going to qualify for for a tax credit. Have probably a rough idea based on your sales for how long it's going to go. Wait. Wait. Let's change the rules entirely. We're going to change all the rules. Some guy is going, no, because he worked so hard to get yeah. all that planned so it would work. And now everything they planned out the window. Yeah. Well, so automakers are... Scrambling now, you know, and they're maybe pulling ahead some of their plans for North American production, like Hyundai. Right. Um, they're they're pulling ahead their the construction of their plant, their new plant in Georgia but by six months. What a shuffle to do all that. I know. It's, like it's hard. like as if they're not struggling to shuffle enough after the pandemic to just yeah. just get a car built. Period. The end. Now we got to shuffle. We got to get it built here. We got to do this this quickly. Or we lose this, and then we will lose sales because now we don't get the rebate. And it, yeah, well, one one of the stories that came up this week was um, Ford. Uh, they've got a whole bunch of vehicles that they're sitting in storage that. lots because they don't have blue oval badges. To put is that on. what is, I was? I saw the headline. I couldn't get the story to load. I was on a plane. Yeah. Is that literally the what it is? The supplier, the, badge? the supplier, the well, that's that's for some <laughs> of them, not not for all of them. Some of them are waiting on Can't badges. Can't someone just go to the local like embroidery store or whatever? Can you make a bunch of make blue a temporary three D printed little three D yeah. printed Ford label and just Etsy? They, they can go on Etsy. Can you yeah. Etsy <laughs> We need to Etsy five hundred fifty thousand Fords Ford badges. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Let's move on. Um, So Vietnam. The two of you just got back from Vietnam. Literally yesterday. Yes, literally yesterday. So why were you in Vietnam? We were in Vietnam to uh, experience everything that is uh, VinFast. 
and Vin Group and drive for a hot minute, roughly, the VF8. Oh, come on. Don't exaggerate. It was at least eight minutes. Okay. It was eight minutes. VF8 yeah. eight minutes. VF8 eight minutes. <laughs> um, and truly, people, it was minutes that we drove these cars. Um, but so it was a week long because of the time change, because it takes a long time to get over there and you lose like half a day. So it was basically a week. We left on a Sunday and we came back on a Saturday. Um, spent a solid four days, five days over there. Um, and saw a lot of Vietnam, um, a lot of what Vin Group is. So Vin Fast is a good Jordan, you have to correct me if I screw this up. Vin Fast is the car company. Vin Group is the overall like umbrella thing, but Vin Group has Vin Pearl Hotels and Vin Fast Cars and there's a Vin Bus and there was a Vin Medic ambulance we saw and then there's Vin, what are the buildings called? Vin, Vin Homes. Vin you can homes. think of it as it's sort of old school General Electric yes. plus Berkshire Hathaway conglomerate with lots of different companies that aren't necessarily affiliated with each other. It's kind of like the South Korean Kaibals. Yes, but all one company. Yes, very much so, but instead of being multiple different companies that are affiliated, it's one company that owns everything with all this stuff. So we went to see, the idea was to see the VF8 which is an EV that's going to go on sale in America. Um, and eventually. We, eventually, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and, and they wanted to show Vietnam, and they wanted to show all of the things that Vin Group does. There's Vin Wonder, which is basically uh, Vin Disneyland, and they have theme <laughs> parks and There's all these things. There's a water park and slides. There's a and... water park. And so one of the things they showed us that was interesting was Vin Homes, and it's basically... Vietnam is a rural agrarian country right now, and they want to do in, say, 10 or 15 years what China's done over the last 50 and turn themselves into a modern-ish country with a middle class and manufacturing sector and engineering talent and all these things. And to do that, you basically have to educate your public or your populace, give them a place to live in the cities rather than in the country, and get them jobs. And so... What China did as a government over the last several decades, Vin Group is like trying to do on their own in a massive, massive scale. And it's an impressive, it is an impressive scale. So even though this was technically a program for, from my point of view, to be able to drive a car, from Jordan's point of view, to be able to drive a car, there were, and it was a huge number of people, there were only, I think, eight of us from the U.S. There was a group from Canada, there were people from Europe, and there were a whole slew of influencers who were Insta Instagram famous and and it just it was it was a very eclectic mix of people. Um, so we finally get to the cars and the cars were we truly had a very short time in the cars and it was a closed it wasn't a closed course like a like a track it was a closed section of road on this little it sounds ridiculous as I say this a closed section of road on the island that they pretty much had their one hotel, convention center, whatever on, like a resort island. And they sort of cordoned off this one section, sort of drove straight out of their one building, took a little bit to the right, came back around, took a little bit to the left, and it was done. You got to do that three times. And it couldn't have been, truly, honestly, I don't think if you just did the three laps back to back, boom, 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 maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. It being generous. So that's what I did for my video is I did three laps. And, and I think it ended up being about 15 so minutes. So about 15 minutes behind the wheel of the car where you had... It literally drives, think like a T, drive straight out, take a right, pull a U-turn, pull a U-turn, come back in. Uh, they had, And it was, 
And they had a minder with you who sat in the right seat. So you couldn't like, you couldn't go by yourself. And he was explaining some things to you as you were going along and there to sort of help you figure out what's what in the car. Um, and okay. I have to like preface the whole thing by saying they've developed this car in 21 months, 21 months. Very quickly. If you think about the time frame, it's taking a normal OEM to develop a car. It is years and years and years and years and years to get what we have on the roads today. 21 months. So what they've done in 21 months is incredible. But I think they need a few more months. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another 21. Like, and at the rate they're going, if they if they could continue to, to, to develop at the rate they have, like six months, this could be an entirely different vehicle. But they're saying, depending on who you listen to, who you ask, or even when you ask them. There was a, it was a little difficult getting some information at times. Um, that this could be in the U.S. in October or November or December. Which, of which year? Of this year of this is what year. they said. So yeah. it is, today is, I'm looking at my watch, today is September 25th. <laughs> that is not very far off. And looking at the things that, like, it's come an incredibly far away for how quickly they've done it, but it feels like it needs some work. Like, I drove two different variants, which I didn't know, like we just were given one and thought they were all the same. They were not. And so I had like this eco version that I drove the first time and they had a spot where you could get it up to roughly 75 miles an hour. It was like 120 kilometers, which I think is about 75. <coughs> Excuse me. I couldn't get it up to that high in the length stretch of road that we had. Like I just floored it. I'm standing on that pedal. I did three and I'm like, I cannot get this to go any faster. And so, and the handling was a little off. So when I got back, I said, you know, they asked and I said, i I have concerns, I have questions, and eventually tracked down uh, the right guy who said, no, 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 and he was like, I don't, I didn't get his title, they didn't give me his title, they just sort of described him as the engineer who built it all kind of thing, like he was behind it all, so I want that on a business card, you know. Um, so he was the Vietnamese version of Elon. He was a Vietnamese version, no, that was... Elon did it all, right? Elon, yeah, I guess he, he was a Vietnamese all. Elon. Um, hopefully he wasn't high when he was driving the car with me, but... Um, he he actually took me out and he said he said Look, we're going to take car number one and I was like why car number one he's like well it's not the same as the one you drove I'm like oh okay so you take car number one which is a he says is right because he knows that this one is right we take out car number one he drives it for half the lap to kind of explain things and show me things and then I drove it for half a lap did feel entirely different than the first car I drove still didn't feel like it had the what is it up to and this is their tentative specs up to 402 horsepower. It didn't drive like a 402 horsepower. The first one drove like a hundred and something. The second one, I'm like, it's eh, but it still didn't feel it. This is a weird thing to me. So we were talking like, why does it not feel like it has all the horsepower? When it gets to 80% battery, it begins to throttle back its performance in the interest of saving battery, whether you want it to or not at 80%. So when I was driving both of these vehicles, one was like in the 50-ish range when I was driving at the first one. The other was like 72 or something. So I'm driving it and it's already throttled back. So as soon as you get to 80%, you're losing that performance, which correct me if I'm wrong. Is there any other vehicle that you know of as an EV not, that does not that? Not that. I mean, mo most EVs, you know, will throttle back uh, performance when you get like below 10% or below Because you're worried. And if you're that and, low. And, and, and they do that, you know, to extend the range as much as possible. Right. And the idea is like, it's, and I get it then because it's like, if you're that low and especially like, that's pretty low for an EV battery, right? You're thinking, does the person know they have to drive a hundred miles? Like that gets you, that's sort of like a security thing. You don't want to drive like 
a bat out of hell when yeah. you've got 10% of your EV battery. But if I've got 79% of my battery left, I might be driving a little bit more aggressively. So I never actually drove this vehicle to experience the actual full horsepower that it had because there were none available that had 80% or higher of a battery charge. Did, did they give you an indication of just how much they're throttling it back? No, he couldn't get, he said, the, from what he said, it was the, the lower that, the lower your battery goes. And I don't know if it was like literally step so down, step so down. So proportional to the, the Right, the and I charge. don't know if it's like at 5% it throttles down a little bit more than another five. He, he made, I made, it sounded like a, a curve, you know, uh-huh. that the lower you get, the more it's gonna throttle that back in the interest of preserving your range. But I feel like well, if you have 80% battery, you got a pretty decent range there. But, but now, was that to preserve the range or the durability of the life, the lifespan of the battery? He said range. Okay. So the guy that I talked to, now mind you, there were various people there. There is sometimes a language barrier, which I'll acknowledge. So sometimes you're like, you're no one's trying to be difficult. We just don't entirely understand each right. other. His English was fantastic. So I felt like he clearly understood me and I clearly understood him. So I felt like the information I got from him, I was the most confident that I didn't ask one question and get an answer to another by accident, you know? Um, and he was fantastic. He did make me feel better about it. Cause when I drive that first eco one, I thought you cannot tell me that this is what they're selling. And he's like, no, 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 that's the eco. The higher spec one is an entirely different drive experience, much nicer, much better drive, but still doesn't feel quite like, it's like, honestly, six more months. If it just needs, it needs so much in so many spaces. Now, if you've never driven an EV, if you don't have experience driving an EV, if you've never even driven something with like a plug-in hybrid, where you've experienced what, what a car feels like driving as an electric, what the acceleration feels like driving an electric, there's a good chance you might not notice a lot of this. Like, I'll be honest, this is something that I noticed. I don't want you to think that everyone, but I think if anybody, if you had a Tesla, for example, and you got behind the wheel of this because one of the people there did, and I said, will you drive this? He drove one of my, one of the laps with me. He's like, wow, this isn't the same. And the problem is the price is 57,000 is where it starts. Yeah. With the battery. That's, that's the US price. That's the US pricing. So I don't know what you're gonna pay elsewhere, but it's 57,000. You are talking Tesla prices. Uh-huh. Way too high. It's too high. If you if you gave me if they finessed some of this stuff and you it was cheaper, then I might feel like it's a great deal. So it's not a terrible car. It just feels undone to me. I can't think of another way to say it. It feels undone. It feels like it leads in a little bit more. Even like the infotainment, it's not quite as responsive as it should be. And it almost feels like they haven't like the graphics. They're not bad. They just don't look modern. Like something doesn't look like a lot of time was spent in it. And so it feels like an early VW ID4. Kind of, maybe <laughs> that's a way to put it. Yeah, exactly. But it's not the price of that, nor is it the like the the. It just doesn't feel like it's there yet. Yeah. So I I I'm like rooting for them. I don't want it to sound like I'm like yeah. I'm not, I'm rooting for these guys to make a car that succeeds. I feel like it needs a little more time. I feel like it needs a little more time. Even the the fit and finish on it. Um, and he did say that this this engineer, I'm just going to say lead engineer, I might be making his own title, but this lead engineer, he had said, you know, the ones you were driving were a Vietnamese spec, they were pre-production, that the US spec would be different because our roads are different. And it's very common to have like Euro spec and US spec of the same vehicle will drive very differently because their roads and our roads, 
what what Europeans expect like from a car. Like tune differently. To oh, right. Car. So they tune things for their audience. So he said it'll be tuned differently. So I'm like, I can forgive some of that. Like very different experience you're going to have in Vietnam. But like the handling was just not as crisp as I wanted it to be. And the steering wasn't, you know, the, the suspension was not what I wanted it to be for a car that's nearly $60,000. You know, and they said that, I asked him what he benchmarked against. He said he benchmarked against the um, Hyundai Ioniq 5. And I asked him, do you think it's there? Do you think you got it? And he sort of paused and he said, well, I think we're close. And I think that's, but I think that, <laughs> George you know, shaking George his head. Shaking his head. No. but I think that's how I would feel about that. That, that is when he said, I think we're close. That's what I think about the VF8. They're close. They need to spend a little more time. And I really wish they had said to me, we were going to have it out in October. We're going to make it April. So if you're going to compare this against a Hyundai, would you compare it? Would you say it's closer to an Attic 5 or to, let's say, a 1993 Sonata? <laughs> Can I see between the two somewhere? <laughs> it's like a 98 Sonata. Like, yeah. okay. it's, it's not horrible. It really isn't horrible. Yeah. It just is not quite there for the price. And they have so much vested in this. I want, I want to be like, can you guys just put it back in the garage for a few more months and keep working on this? Because you've clearly done so much in 21 months. Give yourself another six working at this pace, and you can take care of a lot of this. But if you put it out there now, people who like own Teslas and stuff, who own EVs, who've been driving EVs, who've been driving around in $60,000 cars, they're not going to be thrilled. It needs to cost, I was telling them $20,000 less. I'm going to revise that to $25,000 less. Yeah. If so they sold it for twenty, put, That would put it at about $30,000. Yeah. 30, 30, 33, something around there. I think um, I think you'd be getting an awful lot of car for your money because it's a good sized it vehicle. It is a good sized vehicle. But it's a new car maker. There's a lot of things that need to be polished. But if you put it at that price and you can get 250-ish mile range, we're not sure what it's going to work out to because mm -hmm. they're quoting estimated European spec ranges. So there's nothing based in reality there. But... That's an interesting value proposition because uh, that's like saying, okay, the early Hyundai cars that came to the U.S. were bad. They were not good cars. They were not. But they were dirt cheap. Right. And so you're like, how much will you sacrifice on things being super perfect and polished if it's really cheap? And it's like, boy, I'll, I can forgive a lot of things at a much lower price than I can at 57000 which is starting, what, $13,000 more than an Ionic yeah, 5 Yeah, see, starts. that's the you thing. Can't, the you price, cannot get away with that. You could, you, like exactly what Jordan said, I could forgive a lot of this if the price wasn't so high. This isn't a price that lets you forgive that kind of stuff. This price, you don't expect that. You expect a certain quality. And unless there, there has to be significant changes between now and the, and I know, like I said, these are pre-production Vietnamese spec, but... There have to be some pretty big leaps forward, or I think people in the U.S. to buy into a company that's brand new from a country that the U.S. isn't super familiar with, products out of Vietnam, and to take a chance on it, um, that's a pretty big chance to take. I, you know, and I feel like they're standing behind it, and I feel like they're throwing a tons of money at this. Like, I have no doubt the finances and the will to do this is there. The company really, really wants this to work. They are, they're, they, it, and they've even committed to building a five and a half yes. billion dollar assembly plant. Right, yeah, so they're committed to making this work. I just feel like it's it's not quite ready for prime time, and I'm hopeful that by the time this, whether it's October, or November, or December, or maybe even later, when it arrives, if they can fix some of these things, um, I think it's I think it's a good car, but I just don't think it's there yet. I think it needs some help. Yeah, so I, think, oh, I was going to say there's there's two points about what you just brought up. 
Um, one is that they have committed to building a plant in mm-hmm. North Carolina, which they want to include uh, cell production in that as well. And they are remarkably vertically integrated for a car maker. I think outside of maybe Tesla, nobody's trying to do as much as they are. And on one hand, that's a really big thing for them to do. On the other, if they can pull it off, it's going to put them in a really good position to be able to make a lot of cars and not be stuck waiting on battery partners yeah. like pretty much every other OEM is except for Tesla. Um, and so that's interesting. The other thing is that as best we can tell, the money is real. Vin yeah. Group makes a lot of money. They have a lot of money. Um, the founder got started, I believe, selling ramen noodles in Ukraine 25 <laughs> years ago, I mean, sold that company, went back home to Vietnam and said, I want to start a company and bring my country into the 21st century. And now has been world and wonders and buses and all that. And everything. And all there's that stuff. There's a university, too. We forgot there's a Vin There's Vin University. university because, and, and they're focusing and they've partnered with uh, Cornell and Penn. Yeah. yeah. Um, to design curriculums, and they're focusing on uh, IT, computer science, AI. Um, I think they have a new nursing program that they're doing. And it's this beautiful, unbelievable campus. It yeah. feels like the like an Ivy League equivalent in an Asian university. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. If you said, what are the things you need to do to drag your country into the, your third world country into the 21st century? You'd make a list, and basically they're doing all of them. Mm-hmm. So they're doing the right things. And unlike many other EV startups like Faraday and basically all of the ones that aren't a major OEM who run into fundraising problems because it costs a lot of money to create a new EV. And you say, oh, well, I've got $2 billion. Okay, well, that's a nice start. Where are you going to get the other 10? I think Vingroup has the money to make this dream a reality. And they're going to try and raise lots of money on the on the private markets, and they'll probably be successful doing that because that cash is there to back it. Um, which that alone, I think they've got the runway to hopefully figure this out and improve the car and get it to a place where it can go on sale. And the VF9, which we've barely talked about, is the larger one. It's a three-row, and right. it would be, I think, the only three-row full EV other than the Rivian, which isn't selling in any volume at all. And so if they could actually deliver that in the U.S. next year, I feel like that's that, really and, interesting. And I honestly, I feel like that car, when that comes out, so two things, because that comes out, do they give us a date on that? It's just next year, right? I heard a date of December. <laughs> okay. I, December I don't, of this year? This so? year, they said, oh, we're going to put VF8s and VF9s on the boat. And I'm like, okay, no, you're not. So let's assume for a second the VF8, we're going to make stuff up. The VF8 comes out first, it's out there for a little bit, then the VF9. And if they learn from however it is that the VF8 is received here in the U.S. and whatever their feedback is, because they were listening to all of us, which is really nice. They did ask us they a were lot. asking us, like, there were a lot of not automotive journalists there and a lot of journalists there. And... They were asking us, like they're like they really wanted to know. So you genuinely felt like they wanted to know what yeah. we thought. Including the, the CEO of Vinfast. Yeah. Like, they, they, at one point, she was in the car with one of our colleagues, and he was not lunch. being very nice mm-hmm. about their car because she kind of asked him to. She asked him to, and they were trying to get her out of the car to like, not talk mm-hmm. to him, and she slammed the door in her yes. handler's face, pretty much, mm-hmm. and said, "No, I'm I'm, I'm going to listen to what they're saying." So, but I feel like if they take what they learn from what people have said to them, that we're honest with them on this drives, because there's been four of these that they've done, and then they take that, that what they've done so far with the VF8, 
and continue to improve that. And then if the VF9 gets yet additional, and we didn't drive that, mind you, we just looked at it on the outside. We didn't even see it. It looks, it looks, it looks great. Yeah. If they take all they that- They showed it in LA last year. Yeah, if good. they apply it to the VF9, the VF9 could be really quite good. And it would be the one that here in the US where we like big cars and like these big, huge things could do very, very well. And I think they said the VF8 to VF9 split in Europe was 60% VF8 and 40% VF9 for reservations, uh-huh. and in the U.S. it was split. So it was 60% the larger one, 40% the smaller one. Which makes one. sense. It makes, it makes sense. Right? The biggest yeah. one possible is what's going to sell the I mean, we're here to drive a Jeep Grand Wagoneer L that's longer than a, like, a boat. And you know that if that was a full EV, people would be going bonkers for it. Uh-huh. But it's not. So, so it's, it sounds like from... Our conversation earlier sounds like a lot of the issues may be software related. So, mm-hmm. they, yeah, and this is a brand new vehicle coming out in 2022. So, you know, obviously they can just, you know, push out OTA software updates on a like weekly basis to fix it all, right? Well, you, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, one would think. Theoretically, so, yes. In theory, in theory, you could push out software updates that would take care of very many of these things. Um, you can't just yet. Uh, when will you be able to? One uh, one of the someday. people said literally someday, within a year or two. And he's on camera saying it a year or two. So we had that moment of, did we just hear that right? And it's like, yep, yep, we heard that right. So I'm hoping somehow that was a mistake. Because if the answer is really a year or two, that's not good. Then they can't fix anything in this. Things that are very easy, relatively easily fixable, you can't easily fix. Because if you can't push an over-the-air update... I mean, if they can't do OTA updates right now, at the very least, all the cars they sell up up to that point will have to come in to a service center or somewhere because they're not going to have franchise dealers right. to be flashed locally first Correct. before they can even support OTA updates, assuming that the hardware can support it. Correct. And, and I don't know that. I, my, I, they didn't say, like, the hardware's not there. They were just like, we're not quite ready. So I'm not even sure if it's maybe literally just the hardware is in there uh-huh. and it's just the software isn't quite there yet, you know, to, to do it. Um, which is kind of what my sense was. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping. Oh, please, please Lord, let that be what they're saying. Cause if you need actual hardware. You got to put in there. That's another level of complication. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, so you can't necessarily update everything over the air at this point. So it so says again, we just need a little more time. Just like, Push that, bump those dates. And it's horrible to have to bump the date when you want a vehicle ready at a certain time mm-hmm. and it's not, right? Nobody wants Especially to when it's that. your first product. Right. You want to say, I, I, we're, we're delivering on X and that's when we're going to deliver it. You don't want to say, oh, it's X plus seven months. But I, I really think deliver. you know, you see OEMs, we've all seen them, even the big ones, rush a vehicle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it gets you like, we can feel that it's been a little rushed. Don't rush it. Like, give yourself some time. Like the Cadillac Lyric. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and yeah. The, the Lyric corners they cut. Hard, great, great vehicle from a hardware perspective. Yeah. But the software, when we drove it in June, See? was not ready. Right? See? But but I, I talked, you know, the following week, I ran into Dan Nicholson, who's the head of electronics and software at GM. And he told me that they already had two OTA updates queued up to go out before the, the vehicles were even delivered to customers. So see, they're already... See, and see, that kind of thing, like if you have some time yeah. and you can do an OTA update, you can fix that stuff. I feel like VinFast needs to do that. And I, I generally, the thing is you just... You genuinely feel like there's a desire to do something really cool here and to do something that will be very good for the Vietnamese people right. and the economy and pulling the country 
forward, which is something, how can you not like that? How can you not, not root for that, for the people? Because it's, you know, big companies are big companies, but somewhere down the line, a big company is a whole bunch of people. Uh-huh. And you're rooting for the people to, to actually have some success here. And I am. I want it to be successful. And I think that they genuinely want to see it work. And ideally, you know, every country should be economically successful. successful. Right. You want people to have a good standard of living. Exactly. And, you know, being employed and making products that people want to buy is great. Yeah. Is a and, thing. And Apple is ramping up uh, investment and production in iPhones are going to be built mm-hmm. in Vietnam soon. They're making AirPods there currently. This, this Pixel 6 Pro is already built in Vietnam. Yep. Yeah. So plenty of things are being built in Vietnam. And it's also worth noting that VinFast, it's their first EV, but it's not their first car. Right. They've been selling cars. Now, they are a new car maker. I think yeah, they've only been building cars since 2017, 2016, yeah. something like, yeah, that. something like that. But they've sold a number of models, including several in partnership with BMW mm-hmm. that use the platform. I think of the X5, I think the 5 Series, they made a car off that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and they were lots of them in right. Vietnam. Yeah, we saw Minfest cars everywhere. Yeah. So, But they have said, uh, and this is an interesting point they made, they are the first internal combustion automaker to say, we're stopping internal combustion production we're going all EV switch in I think in, in the world and I think that's probably well they're not accurate. the first to announce it but they're, they're the first to do it the first to actually do it I think yes. they have actually stopped production yeah. of all their ICE vehicles yeah. or they're and about that was to one of the things which is interesting because they're they've been doing ICE vehicles the the center console where you have like your uh, drive you know have all your buttons for it's actually out of one of their ICE vehicles so it, 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 it like they didn't make anything different like there were little yeah. things that don't reinvent nuts. the wheel well don't reinvent but the wheel but it's terrible so but maybe it, you should but it's terrible it. your wheel is shaped yeah. like a triangle maybe make your wheel shaped <laughs> like a circle the wheel is still shaped like a triangle <laughs> so it's like like little things again these are little things but I think it, the problem is when you collectively take all these little things all these little things, your experience in the day-to-day isn't going to be quite what you want it to be. And you're not going to create the raving fans that you want to create once they own your car. And and that's, you know, in 2022, that's a tough place to be in because there are so many really good vehicles on the market. You know, in 1987, when Hyundai came into the U.S. market, a few years later when Kia did, yeah. you know, Different there, there were still a fair number of brands that were not great, just to put it mildly. Um, you know, and the competition has gotten much, much tougher. Right. Now, granted, you know, Tesla has had their challenges with Absolutely. quality control and fit and finish on their vehicles. And they have, you know, and they started from nothing, you know, and, you know, in, in 15 years, they've gotten pretty far along. Yeah. And they also have never delivered anything on time. Correct. So, you know, I mean, if Tesla can be late, you know, three, four years or more, five years, you know, in the case of the semi and the yes. Cybertruck, you know, then VinFast Vin, can, Vin Fast can, yeah. can certainly afford to be six to 12 months late. I and and I, think, I think Tesla showed, now granted Tesla has Elon, but it showed that people don't necessarily get as bothered by stuff that we as car journalists get bothered by when it comes to things like fit and finish. Because yeah, I don't think I think a lot of the fit and finish. I'm hoping like some of the things though. I think I would genuinely be bothered by probably not the console thing, except that there's nowhere to put your stuff. Like I don't like that I can't like toss my wallet anywhere. There literally is nowhere to put your stuff on that center console, which drives me nuts in my 
like every car I've ever had and always has. Like, does, I don't have to be doing this job. Never enough storage, except I think the like F 150. Yeah. It's basically like, the only thing never, with enough storage. You can never find spots to put your stuff. But some of it is very glaring that I think yeah. if you're a $60,000 car buyer, like, like, like the, the leather, the leather quality doesn't feel right. It's like it's wrinkled. It's too, it like wrinkles. There's weird creases. Like, it's not properly oh. pulled into place. You're going to see that if you're buying a $60,000 car. You know, if you're one of us, like, there's a weird bump in the seat, or you know? 76 in the case of the. Or 76. So I think there's some. And there's very many things you won't know. So like I said, if you haven't driven an EV or you haven't driven a car that's at that price point, you definitely aren't going to see a lot of stuff. But if you're coming from that and going into this, you are going to feel a lot of this stuff. Another thing, it's so if $57,000 plus, you know, whatever it works out to be, you can get a C40 recharge from Volvo, which is an incredibly, the ingrained, it's a little it's, bit smaller, it's so but it's Stunningly beautiful, oh, goodness, the blue paint, the whole that. Like, if you said, oh, which one do you want? I'll take that Volvo all day, every day. It and, it, and it delivers the 402 horsepower all the time. And it's a little rocket ship. Yeah. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Like the, right, that's, and that, see, this is the key So problem. it's got to be 20 grand less. If you make it least. cheaper, suddenly the person who can't afford the Volvo has an alternative. But if you can afford the Volvo, that's the better call. Yeah. Yeah, you know? pretty much. And, and you know your Volvo dealer is going to take care of you. You have a little, and you know that there's a lot of Volvo dealers. So it needs to be the Dodge Journey of EVs. There you go. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> the Dodge <laughs> cheap. Yeah. It's not great, right. but it gets you from point A to point B. It's got a decent enough EV. range, and it's an entry level it large works, EV. Yeah. That's what it should be. And and once once they figured out that yeah the radio needs to be on the top, not at the bottom of the center stack. <laughs> If, if Once they figure out all the bits and pieces, yeah. it's going to be great. Once, I honestly, if they can get through, if they, the VF8 and VF9 launch, and they manage it enough, and it, it I, I'm thinking they're, I mean, like you said, the factory here, they're committed to the U.S. market. I'm always feeling this is going to be like, well, maybe these don't do quite what they thought they were going to do, but then the VF10 comes out in a year or whatever, like whatever the next one, they take what they've learned from this one, and they they do something like what Hyundai and Kia did. We were this really cheap. Nothing, you know, blech, brand was behind. No, they're really, really, really good. The VinFast could do the same thing. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that's the VinFast VF8. Um, one more topic I want to hit before uh, we answer just a couple of listener questions. Okay. Uh, and that is, did you happen to see the uh, the very short Volvo EX90 presentation on Wednesday? No? I did not. I read a little bit about it. Okay. I mean... the. They, they had a, a live stream with Jim Rowan, their new CEO. Uh, it was only uh, 15, less than 15 minutes long. Okay. Um, and it was focused on, they didn't show the vehicle in its entirety yet. It's going to be unveiled on November 9th. Um, and this is the elect, all electric replacement for the uh, XC90. Okay. Um, Which I love. Yeah. And it, and uh, it's going to share its platform with the Polestar 3, which is going to be revealed sometime in October, I believe. Um, so these are, you know, mid upper midsize SUVs, crossovers, um, all electric. Um, and the, the focus of this, uh, live stream they did, well, they streamed it on YouTube, but um, it was all pre-recorded, so it wasn't really live, <laughs> but anyway, the focus of it was on some of the safety stuff. Um, and you know, they reiterated, you know, they talked about the, uh, the sensor suite for the driving stuff is going to have the Luminar LiDAR sensor on there, lots of cameras, lots of radars, um, and they'll give us more details on the capabilities. It's going to, from the conversations I've had with uh, Volvo and Zensact and Luminar over the last several months, uh, it sounds like it's going to be launching with a hands-free driving, driving assist system like Super Cruise, Blue Cruise. 
uh, and then gradually increasing the capability over time as they as they reach enough confidence in the safety of it. So um, I think it should be the first vehicle with a LiDAR standard. Uh, no, actually, the Lucid Air has LiDAR standard. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry. Um, it, and, and then there's also uh, the, uh, well, the Mercedes e. S-Class and EQS have it. I don't know if it's, it's an only standard. Yeah, it's yeah. an option as part of the drive pilot package. Um, but what was the other thing that was really interesting, they talked about interior sensing. So they're going to have a couple of IR cameras on the inside. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we've had this for a while now, you know, from GM, Ford, and BMW and, and others. Uh, using it to to do driver monitoring, but they're going beyond just uh, making sure the driver is watching the road. Um, they're also it's going to be running, as I understand, it, it's going to be running all the time, not just when you're using the hands-free system, and looking for visual distraction. You know, if you're looking away from the road, if you're mm-hmm. looking down at your phone or something, um, and looking for drowsiness and and other factors that might impact your ability to drive safely. And then something else interesting that they brought up, and this is something <clears throat> I've talked to some other people about, um, they, ha- they refer to it as, <clears throat> excuse me, cognitive distraction. So I'm sure there's been times when you've been on a long road trip, like when you were coming back from Indiana, mm-hmm. when your, your eyes are on the road, but you've been driving for several hours and Maybe your attention is not 100% yeah. on the, the task at you hand. You start to zone out a little bit and yeah. it's the point of highway driving. Yeah, so they, they can call it cognitive distraction. And I'm not sure exactly how they're recognizing this. I was going to say, how do you check that? I, I mean, if I'm not, if I'm literally distracted, it could see my eyes are looking elsewhere. How does it know your brain is looking elsewhere? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> but I, I think I think there's certain characteristics they could be looking for, like combinations of like if your hands are on the wheel. But they're not really following the road. Not very responsive well. enough. You're too uh, yeah, you're too and, static. And, and and your head is too static. Your eyes are too static. Like you're just looking off into like a very distance. clever driver monitoring. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So they're they're trying to get smarter with the driver monitoring. Okay. And really make it more effective. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to trying this out because uh, I think you know anybody that's honest, that's driven any for any length of time will admit that they have been in that situation. Oh, what is it? The highway hypnosis. You're yeah, just, yeah. You're just, exactly, sta- yeah, exactly you're just staring at the highway and you're driving. That's a, how did I just drive 50 miles? Where am I yeah. now? Like when you know you have 175 miles in a given road, you're, you're not really seeing what's so You sort of road. forget where you were. You're just kind yeah. of going because your brain is thinking about 80 other things and you're just driving down the highway. So, yep. you know. So hopefully, oh. the, hopefully this system can actually work because well, that would be scary how often is it going to notice i feel like how often have i done that or how often are you driving and you don't like you know where you're going and you're paying attention but your brain is half paying attention well, a lot of the time you are paying attention you just don't remember that you were yeah because you're like i don't need to remember the last five miles of driving straight. Right. right and so your brain sort of discards it's it like, and what you that. do is you forget what you've been doing for the last five minutes but if something had happened you'd have been there you were there yeah. and so there's a yeah. difference between being distracted in an unsafe way and Versus, one that's just like, yeah. wait, I zoned out for, this I daydreamed a, for a little bit. Now I'm almost scared of this tech because I feel like we're getting into AI. Like, Nicole, I sense that you are no longer really focused okay. on the road. Like, <laughs> Well, and, and what, you know, what they're going to do is, you know, if, if they'll alert you, if they think that you're perhaps not entirely with the program, um, and if you don't respond uh, to the alerts, um, then it will slow the car down and bring it to a stop and, and if necessary, if it thinks you're incapacitated, call for help. Call for help. Yeah. Which is a lot better than the alternative of just careening into a guardrail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So I guess that would be, yeah. If it just if it just nudges you and says, "Hey, 
You paying attention? You're like, yep, car, I'm okay. And there are a few cars today that will, you know, if you if you do have a medical emergency or something like that, some it'll keep you in lane yeah, and it can stop super, the car. Super Cruise will do that. Yeah. If, yeah. if you don't respond to requests, it doesn't just turn back on the wheel. Yeah. Assume something's sort of gone wrong. Yeah. 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 Mercedes, so, I know, does that as well. Yeah. So yeah. It'll, it'll it'll start slowing the car down at 40 miles an hour. It'll turn on the hazard lights. Yeah. And then when it comes to a stop, if you don't. If you don't respond within about 20 or 30 seconds, you know, it'll come on, the thing will come on and say, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? And if you don't respond, then OnStar will call for help. Yeah, which I think is really smart Actually, because yeah. a lot cool. of people do have medical emergencies. And yeah, I mean, you, you could have a heart attack or a stroke yep. or, um, you know, go into a diabetic coma. Or, you know, a, could yeah. be, and a lot of cars are good enough today to keep you within your lane at the very least. Yeah. And so, you know, I think you get onto, and like things like you said about the occupant sensing, mm-hmm. you know, they might be able to tell that. Oh, you've slumped over. Yeah. You know, you got you got a camera watching the driver and all of a sudden you're like leaning over, passed out, yeah, and it, it might realize immediately, yeah. oh, there's a significant problem. We need to stop the car right away. Right. You know, and I think anything that, that can advance like that is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's answer a couple of uh, listener questions. Okay. Um, first one came from Car Snob. Um, I like that Car Snob. <laughs> uh, well, it's spelled with two A's. Well, three A's. Uh, like he's probably a so Saab fan. So he's a car snob from yeah. like Boston or something. Or uh, or yeah, or he might be a Saab fan. Okay. Oh, mm. car. Oh, okay. might be a Saab stop. Oh, jeez, that's a good pun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, how can EVs be economical long term, like twenty years, compared to an ICE when you have either a ten thousand dollar battery replacements or obsolete battery systems to deal with? As a DIYer, I've paid way less than fifteen hundred dollars in routine service in twelve years for my cars. But you eliminate a lot of the service on an EV because you don't have all the... Well, really, the only thing you eliminate uh, compared to modern cars is oil changes. Okay, so you eliminate oil changes. Transmission. transmission well, I guess transmissions are sealed on a lot yeah. of those new cars. Yeah, most most new cars don't need transmission service for 100,000 miles. And so really what you're doing is you're getting rid of oil changes. Yeah. And you are paying for electricity rather than fuel. Right. Or gasoline, usually. Yeah. But I don't think but, that... I mean, I'm sure EV, EV, EV batteries will continue to get better, but I don't know that I would call them... Like, what did he say? Did he, it was 20 years? Is ten, that what he said? 10 years. You're making 20, a big assumption years. that, and he also said a $10,000 battery replacement. You're making a big assumption that you're going to need to spend $10,000 on a battery sure, replacement. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think you will. Batteries are getting better and better. The, the, and, the reality, you know, with the exception of the early Nissan Leafs, yeah. uh, which have air-cooled batteries, um, most of most EVs, the batteries have held up long, held, held up better over time than they originally they thought. They have. Um, so most of them, you know, after 10 years, you've still got you know, 85, 90% of the original capacity, yeah. if not more. And if you do have a problem on most of the new ones, you don't need to replace the entire pack. You can yeah, replace one cell, module. Yeah. yeah. Rather so than it's all no longer like everything. It's just a tiny little piece, which yeah. makes it much more affordable. Of course, that part is going to go away as we move to structural battery packs. Yeah. Because you, you're going to get rid of the modules, but that's a story for another day. Um, and, and also the, the reality is, you know, unlike car snob here, most people are not DIYers. They don't change their own oil. Right. I mean, if they're, they're lucky if they take the car into a quick oil change place. And, and after this year, you know, the, that question becomes very different depending on what the price of gas is. Mm-hmm. If the average right. price of gas is $3 a gallon, oh, your, your turnaround is not that good. If your average price is $4, $5, $8. Which after this year, I think you could easily see how gas in the U.S. could get to be that expensive. Yeah. Then your turnaround, even with the price of electricity going up, um, that price doesn't vary as much as gasoline prices do. Uh-huh. So it'll be predictable, 
and then you can get your buyback way faster. Especially if you don't go and buy a hundred thousand dollar Rivian. Yeah. If you buy a forty thousand dollar Hyundai Ionic or a thirty-two thousand dollar VFA <laughs> or a twenty-six thousand dollar Bolt Chevy Bolt, which go. is probably the best bang for the buck in the entire car market right yeah. now. So there's a lot of options though, because they're so affordable because you don't have to buy a super expensive EV. You can buy a relatively affordable EV, further making it long term a really right. good financial proposition. And so for a commuter car, which I think is the perfect use case for any yeah. EV right now, as a second car, mm-hmm. you, just the gas savings alone, you're going to get there. Yeah. yeah. All right. The other question. And it'll get better in five years. Yeah. Yes. And ask that question again in five years, the answer is going to be even more in favor of the EV. Yeah. All right. The other question is from Rick Rick Thweet. And I want to thank Rick for the the separate note uh, with the pronunciation guide because he sent us a few questions in the past. I wasn't quite sure how to pronounce his name. So it's Rick Thweet. How's it spelled? uh, T-H-W-E-A-T-T. Oh, yeah. I would need to have that. So Thweet like Tweet. Yes, exactly. Perfect. So, so Rick asks, in fact, his, his uh, Twitter username is Tweeter. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Tweeter. Okay. So, is there a car, new or used, that you wanted to buy that got away? As, as a broke college senior in 1996, I drove past the local VW dealer that had a Harlequin Golf sitting out front. Had I had the money at the time, I would have been an, it would have been an instant buy. So, what was your, what was your one that got away? I have a car that got away. I don't know if I've had a car that got away. I have an answer to this. <laughs> Let's hear it. He looks sad, folks. He literally looks like really, he's it's conflicted. It's it's a it, what's even worse is that it's a car that I had and then it got away. <laughs> um, and the short version is that I had a Alfa Romeo Four C Spider. <gasps> for I <laughs> told you the story about before. I had a two year lease on it. And when the lease was up, which is its own nightmare of a story for trying to return the lease of an Alfa Romeo 4C, um, but I, I, I was getting divorced and there was just no way to buy it out at you the end of the lease and I had to give it back. And that is, to this day, the most fun car I've ever driven of all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars that I've driven. It's so pure, manual steering, the noise, the top comes off is unbelievable, and in this beautiful tricoat red. So that was the one that literally got away. And so I, I have a dream that someday I'm going to do like Papa John and find that car and put <laughs> the VIN into Carfax and go track it down and buy it back. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, I put 7,000 miles on that in two years, which... For a 4C is an astonishing amount of mileage and had zero mechanical problems. Okay, I can think of my one that got away. If that counts, it's the car you had that you had to Yeah, I think, I think that's that that that's I do important. have the yeah. one that got away. And I don't think it's a cool car necessarily, but I love this little car. So when the new Beetle first came out, it was just the new Beetle. And then they came out with a turbo. And it was new, and the and it had I I got a bright yellow new Beetle Turbo, and that's what it was called at the time. I know they've changed the name. And, and it had, I think it had like the same the Turbo and the same script that they had on Porsches, right? Yes, on the back. The turbo badge. So it it was, is that the one with a little spoiler that yes, would pop up? Yes, yeah. I got the worst. I'll fess up. I got the worst ticket of my life in that car, looking to see. <laughs> so the spoiler, you couldn't, you couldn't. It came up. Ah, oh God, was eighty miles an hour or something? Yeah, it was fast. Okay, so I hit the speed on a road, and it was just slightly more than. 
the speed limit, I will admit. However, I was looking to see it because the sun was going through the window just the right way so I could see the, the shadow of the car on the road to rest. I, could, I was watching for the spoiler to pop up, so I was not paying as much attention to my right foot. So I may have been going a little bit more than the required speed, and I'm not just a skosh people, a slight oversight. The police disagreed a little bit. So it was the worst ticket I've ever gotten, but it was the coolest. And I can still vividly remember looking out the window going to my husband, Russ, look, the spoiler's up, and then turning back and going, oh, fuck. I like a flying by and realized how fast I was going. But I love that little car. It made me so happy. It was so much fun to drive. Everyone was loving it. It made people smile. It was basically around GTI. It was, it was, it was wonderful. But then I, it was, I got it before I had kids. I did not give it up with child number one. I managed to wrangle child number one into the back of that car. And but then I was pregnant with child number two. And the day I had to swap it was because I was too pregnant to get child number one into the car. I didn't have the space to get child <laughs> in me. And I was like, and I remember being in the dealership and getting a new car. And I was like, pregnant and sobbing like <laughs> I'm really happy about my new car my I was so sad I felt so bad for the salesman this poor guy's probably like oh my god worst day ever so yeah so that was my one that got away I would have kept that car I might still have had that if I didn't have kiddos and didn't have to worry about getting them into the car I loved that thing it was the most fun car ever I miss it is there a new car no, equivalent to that I wonder was there anything that would fit that that would make That's me as a, happy no, as that that, little No, but it just sort of takes, know. like, it's so iconic, and people remember, we talk about the little silly spoiler, and it's been 20 years. Is there any what? car that sort of... Is there a car like that? Is there? special like that? Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything that's that, that unique yeah. and different and has its own little personality to it? I don't know. Not, I don't really think of anything. Can anyone think, I would love to have a listener if they have an equivalent to that. Yeah. Do you have a car that What's has the 2022 that? The 2022 equivalent beetle. of a Turbo Beetle when it was new and it was like fun and cute and adorable and just had so much personality yeah. that you just... Because back then we had the, had the Mini uh -huh. that just came out around then and that mm -hmm. had that sort of same it's fun and exciting... I like my Beetle better. 100%. But just sort of like cars that are interesting like that. And I feel like we don't have that. Do right we not now. have a cute, fun little car right now? Yeah, they still got the Mini, but, you know, it's grown bigger. and It's not, yeah. Bigger. It's not, it's not, I don't it, feel like and it was special back then. It's yeah. not as special now. Right, it's I been around for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, what's our special, what's our special? What is this, what is the car that everybody would see and make you smile? Someone's going to write in, they're going to say Tesla Roadster, and it's going to be like, okay. Yeah, okay. That doesn't exist. But right now. No, right but it's going to be cheap, and what's affordable? Yeah. I would even say, even if it wasn't affordable, let's just say... I mean, cause, like, even I think if it was in terms not, of fun cars, you know, like what GR eighty six, yeah, maybe Veloster like, yeah, okay. N, yeah. which well, is now dead, yeah, you know, but that's not that doesn't have I mean, the cultural zeitgeist right. of the of the Beetle. The Beetle yeah. I loved that. Everybody had the Beetle. Like I, I was the first. It was the first Turbo Beetle that was sold in New Hampshire because I gave them my whatever fifty bucks and put my name on the list, like. They announced it on a Tuesday, and like Wednesday morning, I was in there, and I waited, and I they said they just I, the very first one that came in, I said unless it's a color I hate, I'm going to take it, and it was yellow, and I'm like, yep, I will be there. Okay, well, I got two cars, and and they're it's actually interrelated. So when I graduated from college in 1990, all those many years ago, I wanted to buy myself a new car. Okay. Because um, I was driving an 84 GMCS 15 pickup truck, you know, through all through college. Yeah. And so I wanted to buy a new car. And my short list was the Mitsubishi Eclipse Turbo. Okay. Which good I list. Um, knocked off the list early. Um, and then the Miata, which was brand new at the time. You know, it was first model oh, yeah. year in 1990. Yeah. 
um, and Mustang 5 liter LX. Okay. And um, I ended up, you know, going like Miata, Mustang. It's like, well, it's going to be my primary car. I'm going to be driving it year round. I don't know if I want to be driving the Miata in the wintertime. So I went with the Mustang. Okay. And I, I bought 5 liter LX Mustang. Yes. Um, it, and it was like the, the notchback. So it was the lightest Mustang you could get with mm-hmm. the most powerful engine at the time. Um, and it was a hoot to drive. I had that car for eight years. Loved it. And that was the one. Um, well, the Miata got away at first. And then eight years later, the, the Mustang got away. Aww. Because, um, you know, had small kids. Yes. With see, you, it was a pain in the ass to get them. cars. The dang <laughs> stinking kids. Pain in the ass to get them in the backseat. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, I eventually got my Miata, got my 1990 Miata five and a half years ago. Still have it. I will have it probably till, uh, ideally till the day I die. Ideally. Hopefully not in it. <laughs> no, not, hopefully not in it. <laughs> But uh, hopefully, till till the till the bitter end, I will have that car, and I'm, hopefully, I'll be able to drive it until until the very end. Um, and love that car, and you know, I'm, I re- I regret not getting it, but I'm I'm also glad I got the Mustang back then. Yeah. But what I regret is getting rid of the Mustang at the time when I did because I needed the money for the down payment on the new car, right. replaced it. Um, so. I, w- I still wish I had that Mustang today. I would have, I'd love to still, you know, even though it's nowhere near as fast as contemporary right. Mustangs, you know, it was so much fun to drive. You could have driven it in the Stampede. I, I could have driven it in the Stampede, absolutely. And because it's not about it's not about that. You know, it was fast then and now it's not. It's like yeah, it was fast then and it was all these things. But it was just so darn fun. It can be slow now and, and yeah. it's still just as and it had no fun. ABS and no traction control. None of the things. None of the things you want a car to have. Yeah. Did it have? Yeah. But, you know, it had air conditioning and power windows, and, and that was about it. Um, so I had the, a 6 CD changer in the trunk of my Beetle. I, I also put one in, in the Mustang. Did you uh, see? Yeah, because I, I, I had a Pioneer 6 CD changer in my apartment. Yeah. And I said, well, I, I'm going to go ahead and get the – they had the one that goes in the trunk. I got one of those and put it in the trunk I of the Mustang. extra and, for that. So when I uh, wanted to change the CD, I had to open the trunk from yeah. the CD. But you had six CDs in but it. I had six whole CDs yeah. of music. And your beetle had a flower vase. That's it right. Did. Your Mustang, Mustang did, not did not have. I had a flower vase that I would occasionally. Yeah, I was that dork. I'd change out the flowers. So I'd like a Christmas. You didn't put like a silk flower. It's a silk flower. Oh, silk flower. Okay. You can't put a real oh, flower. Oh, but it was seasonal. It dies in two seconds because like the heat or the cold, it's done. But you could put a season like a spring flower in. It was initially yellow. Like, I've seen lots of beetles with that people have put flowers yeah, in. Yeah, you so. put have to have a garden. Yeah, but they don't, a real flower is not going to survive. Every day well. you put a new real flower in, and then you watch it die, and then... How sad that would be? You go to work, you have a nice little fresh flower, you come out of work, death. Like, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of how you feel sometimes? You I know, because it would be accurate how you feel when you come out of an office sometimes. You just it up, throw it on the ground, oh, forget Dang, this. Dang, stop, 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 dream's gone. <laughs> and then start fresh the next day. Start fresh the next day, let's try again. No, every day. <laughs> All right, well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you very today. much. This was great fun. Thank you for having me. We'll have to do it again sometime. I'll, on the next Grand Wagoneer Drive. Yeah, or <laughs> hopefully sooner than that. Probably something else. Yeah. yeah. It'll be great. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.